Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you are. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Our thanks to First Bank for all they do to keep the Eagle Hour on the air. We're grateful to you for that. Patrick McGee, the Biloxi Sun-Herald sports editor, is about to join us in just a moment. First, I want to say hello to our friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We always appreciate their support as well. It's a great place to eat seven days a week. Right here in Hattiesburg, they cook it uh, for you fresh every day. You can enjoy it in the dining room, the drive through the take-home. However you choose, be sure you choose Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, the professor, joins us playing hurt a little bit, uh, recovering uh, from some throat ailments. But uh, glad you're back on your feet, professor, and uh, glad you're back on the Eagle Hour. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm going to ask you something we've been talking about all week because you had a little bit of different perspective of it than maybe we did. That's this NCAA announcement that all baseball regionals uh, sites are going to be predetermined as well as super regional sites predetermined. But you don't necessarily think that knocks out a conference USA team from the possibility of hosting a regional. Did I hear that right? Well, yeah, I would say, Louis, if, you know, I think one thing they're going to take into account uh, when they choose these sites is based on success up to that point. Uh, that's been reported by, I think, it was at least one national reporter. I can't say or off the top of my head, but uh, that would certainly put Louisiana Tech in the discussion where they're at. And they have a new stadium uh, that's, uh, you know, that's certainly up to par in terms of facility wise. Now, Ruston obviously isn't exactly a a place that has a whole lot of hotel space and stuff like that. So that would maybe be something to overcome. But, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of small-town sites in the past that have, that have hosted. So I would think that uh, Tex and that uh, can be in that discussion. Uh, they're certainly deserving of it. Southern Miss, uh, I, I, they obviously need some, still need some work to do. And, and even for Southern Miss to have been in the, the, the discussion to host uh, they they would have had to probably win Conference USA, and right now they probably need to go to La Tech and win three out of four, or or win all four games to have a chance to do that. So uh, Southern Miss very well, you know, if uh, could have been in this discussion. Not saying they're completely eliminated, but they really could have helped themselves uh, by by winning the series against Tech and Hattiesburg. So, uh, but yeah, in 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 my, also in my perspective, if you look at it from the point of view where the NCAA. Uh, men's tournament was all held in in Indiana and in the Indianapolis area. Uh, it's it's a step forward in that postseason is able to move uh, to a bunch of different locations. So it's it's kind of baby steps. I know everybody wants everything to go back to to normal, but the idea that they can play in a in a variety of locations spread out across the nation, I, I, at least this progress from where things stood. But I know not all. Uh, college baseball fans are going to enjoy the fact that their team can't earn it 
uh, in the last few weeks of the season. So you believe this is a COVID-related decision by the NCAA? Yeah, and all reporting I saw from the uh, from the outset was that this was based on uh, whether each site can meet COVID protocols and everything. I'm I'm not an expert, but I know that's what I've read. Uh, everything that's going to, they need sites that can meet everything that's required out of out of hosting based on COVID protocol and ha- having everything in place to make it happen. All right, Luke, get in here with the professor. Patrick, last question on that. What's the trade-off you think between, you know, they, they did say it will be merit-based, uh, but you got to think the NCAA is going to go after venues that that will fulfill their own capacity restrictions, which I'm thinking is going to be 25 30%. They're not going to go with a governor. They're just going to do something across the board uh, that can be applied equally. You, you take that plus uh, the bigger facilities where the numbers with the capacity will be higher, so that uh, you know the the amount of fans can. So I think in some ways the predetermined, the capacity requirements plus the capacity limits will in some ways override the merit. Yeah, it, honestly, I, I hope they kind of take some uh, more neutral sites into account. Whether it's minor league baseball stadiums, I'd like to see them try something like that. But I know they need the 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 really the kind of groundwork, the the media relations aspect. Uh, that's all got to come into play. Are the personnel there available to make it all happen? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, larger. You know, I, I don't necessarily think larger stays that come into play. I don't think they're thinking we want to get get as many butts in the stadiums as possible. In other words, you know, I mean, it's not like every program in America has stadiums that hold six thousand uh, people. I mean, I, I know we look around the SEC and everything like that. And we see the stadiums, but I don't see them really loading up the SEC. Or, or you know, the ACC. I, I think we'll see them kind of spread out uh, across the nation, and and I, I know they'll be cautious not to just give everything off to the big schools. I, I would, if not, they're pretty dumb in in how they approach this. Well, usually they are pretty dumb in some of the ways they approach things. The reason <laughs> I say that is I'm thinking Louisiana Tech. You know, 2,000, 2,500 capacity, you put a 25% restriction on them, and, you know, there's really no incentive uh, from attendance to get them over there. The other aspect is you're going to have super regionals play at a site where nobody's going to be at home. You're going to have 300 people in the stands. Anyway, let's actually talk about the the real uh, product on the field. Southern Miss gets uh, three wins against UTSA. You know, the 17 and 9 right now could possibly be 20 and 6, could be 19 and 7. A couple games go their way. Uh, what are you looking for this weekend against UAB? Three wins, or, or do they need to really sweep? No, I mean, if they want to keep pace with uh, Louisiana Tech and really kind of bolster their the, – I mean, RPI, they're sitting pretty, but uh, uh, UAB is a bad RPI team, 200-plus. Uh, so this is a series of Southern Miss. <laughs> you used to say, well, three wins are going to look, make, look pretty good, now it's four wins. <laughs> that's, that's just the nature of, of, of this season and how weird it is. Uh, you know, not everything was going to turn out just perfect, uh, but I think Southern Miss does need four wins this weekend in Hattiesburg. Uh, this is a series they need to sweep uh, to just to really kind of keep them pace in terms of the postseason and, and giving them a shot uh, there against Louisiana Tech in conference play. And this is not the best team in the league they're playing. Is that That's fair to say, right? I mean, UAB no, right now yeah. is a pretty average team. Yeah, they're not very good. Uh, I think Rice is Rice is the only team below them. I think in in terms of RPI, and that's 
who would have thunk it, you know? Yeah, that's hard. Uh, that's hard to believe, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought they made a decent hire with their head coach there at Rice, but uh, in, I guess it's year number two for him. I know it's been less than ideal. Uh, everything has gone on with uh, with Rice. I know it's a program that likes to recruit nationally, and and uh, they're just not what they once were. You hope that doesn't uh, continue uh, from here on out because whenever Rice is good, it's good for Conference USA. It's Mm-hmm. Good for Southern Miss, good for Louisiana Tech and everybody. Uh, but overall, the league is pretty decent this year in terms of RPI. And, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, and, but for Southern Miss to really have a chance to uh, to, to have, be in a good standing going into the conference tournament, uh, they need to sweep a series like this. Uh, Luke, Wayne Graham looks pretty good over in Houston these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you thought Braga. I mean, he beat Ole Miss in a regional and, and got to a super regional. Just just haven't worked out. Louisiana Tech on the road at Rice, so let's all cheer uh, for Rice this weekend. Patrick, my feeling with the Eagles, um, the the batting average now raised uh, to around two thirty, still way under substandard what Southern Miss mm-hmm. is accustomed to. Uh, but Lynch over 200, Montenegro now over 300. You seem as if more and more each one of these games, the walk-to-strikeout ratio on the offensive side is is better. And so you have to think that the quality at bats is improving and will only improve as uh, one through nine really matures uh, throughout this season. Yeah, it's cliche, but every time you know things warm up a little bit, you know that's college baseball, the bats start getting better, and Southern Miss always seems to hit the ball better. I don't know what it is about san antonio but it seems like every time southern miss goes out there it just turns into a launching pad uh for them they've just really destroyed the road runners in san antonio at least put a bunch of runs against them uh so that was probably a a good place to go after losing uh three out of four to tech to go out to san antonio and get your bats right and get ready for the rest of conference play so i I think uh to to get uh, danny lynch going again uh that's a big deal And, and of course montenegro you knew it was going to he was going to get right at some point. Uh, so, yeah, as, as long as these guys start making pro- progress in the play from here on out, uh, it, it, you hope Sargent kind of gets that batting average going up a little bit. If he can kind of take off a little bit more, that's that's a big deal for the middle, pe- middle bit of that lineup. So I think everything's pretty encouraging on that side coming into this weekend. All right, Patrick, just a few seconds left. I want you to remind our listening audience around the state how they can subscribe uh, to your paper online and how they can uh, read all of the Southern Miss coverage that you provide? Well, uh, obviously, they can always subscribe through sunherald.com. And actually, the, the best way to subscribe to the Sun Herald is go through one of my uh, articles that's, that's subscriber only because every time somebody subscribes through one of those stories, uh, that, that kind of, you know, it, you know, every time uh, uh, Chris Sargent hit the home run, you know, that's, that's kind of like me getting a LTC is a led to conversion off one of my stories behind the, the paywall. So uh, if y'all want to give me a few homers over the next few days, I'd appreciate it. Uh-huh. So that's the best way to uh, uh, to subscribe to the Sun Herald. And nobody covers Southern Miss sports like Patrick McGee. So we strongly encourage you, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you want to keep up with the Golden Eagles, that is exactly what you need to do. All right, Patrick, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, hopefully we'll get you a little longer next week, but we always appreciate your input. All right. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Subscribe to that today. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank the professor, Patrick McGee, for the Biloxi Sun-Herald, joining us uh, in the first segment. And uh, we appreciate his input. 
couple of programming notes. UAB baseball coach Perry Roth on the show tomorrow. Uh, Luke also working on another guest that, though, if we get that worked out, we think he'll be pretty excited about that. William Carey, University basketball coach and a former two-star sport at Southern Miss, Steve Knight, will be on the show Friday. Uh, some news just came out yesterday, uh, Luke, and uh, some sports writers went back and evaluated the winningest basketball teams in the last 10 years in Mississippi. And believe it, Well, you should, I say believe it or not, I do believe it uh, and wasn't really surprised. William Carey University led by a former Southern Miss uh, sports star Steve Knight, uh, the winningest basketball program in the state of Mississippi over the last 10 years. We're going to talk to him about that uh, on Friday. Also, you guys will be down at Ramey Motors, and always uh, we in, always enjoy that. So uh, a lot uh, to tune in for for the remainder of the week uh, here on the Eagle Hour. Now, you were telling me before we went on the air about uh, – Southern Misses, a baseball RPI and strength of schedule. And all of that sounds really, really good, Luke. Share that with our listeners. Yeah, when you look at RPI, and of course, RPI moves up and down. Golden Eagles uh, found themselves in the hundreds to start the season and moved up, I think, as high as uh, 17 or 18, but kind of been floating around number 20 the last couple of days. Uh, the way Conference USA works right now, uh, Louisiana Tech is at nine, so they've been a top 10 team for the last three weeks. Southern Miss at 21, Charlotte at 28, Old Dominion at 30, FIU at 76. So that's interesting. The Panthers, even with a losing record, 12 and 14, have a 76 RPI because they have a strength of schedule inside the top 25. FAU is at 87, and then UTSA at 98. So I'm doing my math. I think seven Conference USA teams, if that's right, inside the top 100. But when you look at the Eagles, Eagles 17 and 9 overall, 21 RPI, 13th strength of schedule, 13th hardest schedule in the country. Uh, just to, to think about that, Eagles at 13, Mississippi State at 11, Ole Miss uh, at 71. So Eagles. Uh, Second hardest the schedule in the state right now. Non-conference record of 13 and 6. Non-conference strength of schedule at 40. So what's interesting about that, Bob, is it's actually so far the Conference USA strength of schedule has bumped the RPI up. Now, how many of us going into the season would have thought that? You know, zero. The, the strength to schedule non conference, you would think would give you the boost, but the strength to schedule overall is 13th. The non conference is, uh, is 40th. So, uh, Southern Miss being helped on there, 11 and 5 at home, 6 and 3 on the road. Now, you look at the quadrant wins. So, you look at, uh, they divide all the RPI teams into four quadrants. Quality one win, Southern Miss seven and five, three and two against quality two, and then a quadrant three, seven and two overall. So Eagles in a winning record against all of those. And so the Eagles right now 21st in the country in RPI. And again, seven conference USA teams in the top hundred. That's impressive for, of course, the Eagles and impressive for the conference. Crucial next two weeks for Southern Miss baseball's 2021 season. And I say that for this reason. You got four games against UAB this weekend. And in our conversation uh, that we'll have tomorrow, we actually recorded that today with uh, Coach Perry Roth. He he compared UAB and Southern Miss to uh, that uh, Scott Berry was playing chess and he was playing checkers at UAB, but don't buy that because UAB has a history, just a real history in a lot of sports of uh, coming over here and causing a real havoc 
uh, for the Golden Eagles. And so after UAB, it's a home game uh, next week, a midweek game with a South Alabama team that in all honesty has dominated the Golden Eagles for the last couple of years. I think three or four straight wins, uh, just not a good matchup for whatever reason for Southern Miss. And then, Luke, that gum, it's, it's right back on the road, four more games against uh, Louisiana Tech. I, I would call that terrible scheduling by Conference USA, but I guess that's a subject for a, a, another show. But uh, we're going to know a lot about what's going to happen with this team, not only as as repeating for their fifth consecutive conference championship but where they may end up and how they may end up in the postseason. I think a lot of that could be decided in the next two weeks. It will be, and it's going to be because of the expedited you know, selection process. You look at what uh, UAB has done. They, they did take one. They, they got beat three games to one, but they did take one against Louisiana Tech. They took one against Indiana State, who's the number 14 RPI uh, team in the country right now. They split with Middle Tennessee. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is a team coming off that, that just beat uh, Louisiana Tech. They lost uh, by in a midweek by one run to, to Auburn. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you always got to be prepared for them this weekend. And they are 213 in RPI. So what that means is Eagles got to win three or four. And I, I think in a four-game series, certainly reasonable to drop one. Louisiana Tech drop one to UAB and then didn't really lose their RPI at all. So Eagles, three or four, you, you got to go. And I think UAB is going to be one of those teams where you're going to see the third and fourth starter of Southern Miss um, if everything goes right, to see where the strength of the pitching staff is, because UAB is going to throw out an arm, uh, whereas Southern Miss will throw out, you know, a, a starter. And uh, I think as you get deeper into conference, you may see a couple of these teams have to hold staff it one day, like the Eagles have done a few times um, in the, uh, you know, in the midweek games. But yeah, South Alabama moving up, they're 69th in RPI right now. So uh, that will be a, a big, big midweek. So Golden Eagles will face probably a top 10 Louisiana Tech RPI team and a top 70 South Alabama RPI team. And that helps. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we, we, we complain about the echo chamber, Bob, but what happens if you go to Ruston and you win three or you split two? You're in the echo chamber, right? Because you're a top 20 versus a top 10 RPI team. So it could play into the Eagles' strength this year that they're having to play Louisiana Tech twice. And, it, and you know, it makes for really exciting baseball, too. Well, it's nice to be in the echo chamber for a change. We're always outside looking in, so to be in it uh, for a change would be nice. Now, Boyd was supposed to pitch uh, this past, uh, I guess it would have been Saturday. They played Thursday through Saturday, and, and that game got called because of rain. So I, I'm going to assume that doesn't change the pitching rotation at all this weekend for the Golden Eagles. I don't think it will either. Boyd probably um, yesterday – Got you know his his bullpen in through through everything he needed to throw in light of the fact that he couldn't throw Saturday, so yeah I would expect Friday night for it to be Stanley on Saturday Powell and uh, and and Etheridge and then Boyd on Sunday. Uh, one of the things that that we you saw this weekend and when you get into the seven inning games is that Powell has the ability to throw the complete game and and what Etheridge threw six you you basically been getting five or six innings out of Etheridge and Boyd every time and that's why early on we thought maybe they would take Boyd, you know, and throw him in game game two or game three. I think what's become apparent is 
because of Hunter Stanley and Walker Powell's ability to go so deep in the games, you've basically got your entire bullpen available for game three and game four. Right. And what would have happened, <laughs> what would have happened in game four against UTSA? Because Etheridge went six innings, everybody was available. And whenever you've got all those arms coming out, uh, it, it makes it really tough on the other team. A lot of good arms, but I got to tell you, Ryan Ock really, uh, thank goodness he got healed up from, from uh, arm surgery a couple of years back. Ryan Ock right now uh, has got to be your go-to guy out of the bullpen when the game's on the line. He can shut it down. He can come in as a long reliever. Uh, and, I mean, by default, he can be a closer also. He came in, and when Ramsey struggled, he, he shut him down. He has the most appearances out of the bullpen of anybody with 11, .63 ERA, 1.19 whip. He's 3-0. and in 14 and a third innings, he struck out 23 and only walked six. And then, oh, by the way, you got, you know, got Garrett Ramsey. And the, the thing Coach Barry talked about again, Ramsey has been extremely good when the whole innings belong to him. When he starts with a clean slate, he finishes. Um, and so, you know, you got to be able to bring him in later in the season. So these early hiccups, you know, the last two outings, he's been brought into situations that he's not familiar with. He'll grow into that and it will make it good for later in the season. But you've also got Tyler Stewart, who's throwing uh, mid to, to high nineties. And would we have ever dreamed so far this year that, uh, Bob, that, that Gabe Shepard would only make two appearances. No, and, we uh, you know, he's no. obviously not well. And so you think about, you know, what this staff would be with him also. But man, brilliance from Hunter Stanley. You know what you're getting with Walker Powell. Ben Etheridge just continues to, to, to do well. Real so quickly, why Eagles do you think they changed starters. that with Ramsey? Why do you think he was doing so well as your ninth inning closer? Why do you think they went now two times to bringing him in earlier in the game? Because he slammed the door so hard on teams early on. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you just bring him in. I mean, he's, he's, he is in that situation, especially if he's coming in for Ock, he's your best arm. He's got your best stuff. And Scott Barry told us coming into the season, he had the best stuff in the fall. So that's the thought. I mean, you bring in your, uh, your, your ace reliever and that's what they've done twice. And, and, and let's be honest, we would rather that happen now than it happened to an original where he's put into a situation where he's not familiar with. Get all that out of his system now. Let him feel that now so that when that time comes and he gets forced into that situation in the postseason that he's ready to go. All right. Just a reminder, you'll get all the information you may want over this week's opponent, the UAB Blazers, when uh, Coach Perry Roth joins the Eagle Hour tomorrow in the first segment. Uh, he talks about his three uh, three plus hundred hitters, and he's also got a really good uh, starting pitcher, Riley Davis, who are just recently through a complete game. So uh, don't don't take him for light. Uh, UAB is coming to town this weekend. It's always fun when the Blazers are in Hattiesburg, and we hope we'll see you at the peak. Eagle Hour continues next. Southern Miss to the top. Continuing on this Wednesday, third segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Good lunch today if you missed it. Country fried steak, chicken fried chicken, baked potato casserole, turnip greens, toast and a drink. It was $8.95. Hey, it's Masters Week. 
And you've got an opportunity the next two days to go get an eight ninety five lunch. Tomorrow should be pork chops. Friday is Bob Getty Fried Catfish Friday. And you can watch the Masters at 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'm going to be watching, and uh, actually at Ramey's, I may have it pulled up on the side screen. You guys may have to slap my, my attention as I'm watching. But it is a great week, a great uh, time for you to go get lunch at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Appreciate Slade and all his uh, great staff over there. Appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel Kelly Center on the phone with us. Guys, I uh, saw this on social media. It's pretty interesting. The best college town rankings, group of five schools only, so 60 towns evaluated. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, number eight on the list, uh, surprisingly in front of a few other schools. Um, now, I would think like Orlando and Central Florida would be a little higher up the list. Um, but Hattiesburg comes in at number eight, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander. What you think about that? Well, go ahead, Kelly. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, people who live in that area, in the Hattiesburg area, have been saying that for years, that uh, the, quality of, uh, the quality of life, the cost of living, its accessibility to bigger cities. You know, if you want to go to the bigger cities and enjoy some of the things that that uh, are available there. You know, it really, it really doesn't surprise me. In looking at some of those numbers, though, one of the things that that does surprise me is that New Orleans is right behind uh, Hattiesburg, which I wouldn't think that because uh, a lot of people, you know, aren't like to visit New Orleans, but aren't necessarily real big on living there. Uh, but but just all the things that New Orleans has to offer, I'm sure, you know, moved it up that list. So, so really, truly, and maybe I'm biased, but I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah, New Orleans offers the decadent lifestyles, the high crime rate, the high rate of COVID, and the filthy, nasty condition of the city. I can understand how it could be in the top ten, Kelly. Yeah, but you know what's <laughs> funny about that, Bob, is every time Southern Miss plays Tulane, <laughs> there's a lot of folks from Hattiesburg that, that make that trip. Well, it's one of those places you want to grab a game, grab grab some fried oysters, and get the hell out. I mean, I think that kind of sums <laughs> it up. Yeah, again, nice place to visit, but wouldn't want to live there. So maybe that's Fort Collins of Colorado State, first on the list. First top five really are like mountain places. Laramie, Wyoming, number five. Logan, Utah. And I don't know, you guys, I follow Blake Anderson on, on Twitter, and he's the new coach at Utah State and kind of just, you know, doing a life reset. It was hard to continue in, in Jonesboro because, you know, he, when he lost his wife. But man, some of the pictures he puts on his Twitter profile. It's pretty attractive to coach at, uh, at Utah State out in Logan, Utah, when you're looking at snow-capped Rockies everywhere. Honolulu, Hawaii, 13th on the list. Kelly, got to think that's just uh, they're, they're lower down because of cost of living. And uh, Disney World right behind them at 14. Yeah, that's uh, Orlando. The cities can get too big and too congested, you know, which that's, that's part of uh, – I'm sure that goes into part of the decision-making. So, yeah, and, and Honolulu is just so far away. And you certainly can't drive there. Um, so Kelly Sander won't be going. <laughs> but, uh, last, but last comment on this, Bob. Boca Raton at 37. I'm scratching that's my head. That's pretty hard to understand that. I, I would think Boca Raton uh, would be a, a really, really nice place to live. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit surprised, too. In fact, I, I'm rather dismayed that Cane Break did not make the list, Kelly. Well, we weren't, we weren't allowed. Uh, they they wanted Cambridge to participate, but we just said there's nothing in it for us. So. <laughs> and that's pretty much the attitude there. Am I correct? What's in it for us? Is that what we're hearing, Kelly? 
It always comes down to money, Bob, which is a great segue, and I'm glad that Luke <laughs> mentioned the Masters earlier this week because can, can I just – I've got a beef today that I want to I get something off my chest in this segment, and we can talk about something in the, in the last segment. But Rob Manfred, the Major League Commissioner, Major League Baseball Commissioner, moved the All-Star game, which was scheduled to be in Atlanta this year, and he has moved it to Denver – he moved it out of Atlanta because of Georgia's new voting laws that he believes is discriminatory towards African Americans. Okay, we're not going to talk about the legislation, all right? but we're just going to talk about Manfred's decision, all right, and, and his thinking here. Most independent people who crunch the numbers think that the All Star game means $100 million of impact to local economies. Okay, so. If you look at the African-American numbers in Atlanta, there's about a 51% uh, African-American population in Atlanta. So what Rob Manfred has done to make a political statement is he has taken $100 million, based on independent numbers, out of the Atlanta economy, which is slightly a slight majority of African-American residents, and he has moved it to Denver, Colorado, where the $100 million is going to be reaped by the population of Denver, which has a population that is 9.5% African-American. What sense in the world does that make? One way, and if you really think that the voting laws are discriminatory against African-Americans, but yet you're taking $100 million out of an economy that African-Americans could benefit from. No, you're just, right. You're just, right. Thinking, just thinking out loud. Here's the problem, here's, Kelly. You actually thought that someone thought about that. They didn't think about the, that at all. He, here's the other thing, Luke, and you mentioned the Masters being televised at 4th Street. In the same breath, a reporter asked Rob Manfred if he felt that strongly about it, then he should also revoke his membership at the Masters <laughs> in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> Which guess what? He refused nope. to do. Uh, this is here. Here's here's to me the even bigger problem. We're, we're now reached a point in our culture that if someone can explain this to me, I'd be grateful. What does Major League Baseball? What business does Major League Baseball have sticking its nose into the affairs of the Georgia State Legislature? Duly elected members of the Georgia State Legislature elected by the people of Georgia, make decisions, they answer to their constituents. When did they start answering to Major League Baseball, to Delta Airlines, to Coca-Cola, whose CEO, by the way, is criticizing the Georgia election law from his home in London, England? Uh, United Airlines, you could go on and on and on. When did When did major sports leagues and major corporations in America start deciding what state legislatures are supposed to do or not supposed to do, Kelly Sander? Well, it goes back to the NFL. The National Football League really hurt itself economically when players you know, started make, taking political stance. Sports used to be the last bastion of independence, away from political views, right. one way or the other. And now you've got Rob Manfred, who, th- who thinks he's doing a favor to the African-American community by taking $100 million out of a local economy that is primarily African-American and, and moving it to Denver, 
where there's just a slight African-American population. That is just stupidity. And then when asked again to revoke his master's member, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So it's okay for other people to be messed up by his decision, but he doesn't want to walk the walk. He's willing to talk the talk, but not walk the walk. And that just frosts my behind. It just needs to be stopped. I don't know how you stop this this woke invasion of America, but I mean, it's just it's just reached the point of of complete and total absurdity. You know who gets hurt by that more than anybody? It's you know it's the uh, black Alabama, uh, or, excuse me, Atlanta resident that owns yes, a little restaurant correct. near the ballpark, or, or maybe owns a, a local hotel. That now all of that business that they were looking forward to and gearing up for, poof is gone in the name of wokeness. It's absurd. And and that brings me to my last point, Bob. If the people of Georgia would have said they didn't want the All-Star game, that's a completely different deal. Right. Completely different deal. But you hit the nail right on the head. The people in Georgia who stood to financially benefit from this had no say in it. And... And then, like I say, the commissioner trying to act like he's always like he's a and the truth woke. is, Kelly, that that was inflicted on them by the multi-millionaire white guy who's not going to give up his membership to Augusta National Golf Course. You got that right. Right. It's it's just bull. It's bull. The and, the and, best part about it, guys, is that the Atlanta Braves also were protesting the fact that the All Star Game's been moved. They are not playing like All Stars. They are zero and four to start the season. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah, that's probably right. I don't know. It's, you know, we, it's an upside-down world, man, that's for sure. Yeah, it sure is. And and one of the last things we're going to talk about today, and I don't know if we'll, if we'll, we'll probably have to fill in most of the blanks after the commercial break, but there's been an ongoing argument between you know academics in college, colleges and athletic people in colleges as to you know where do – where does athletics fit in the overall picture, and is it all that important that universities and colleges succeed in sports? And the answer is a capital Y-E-S. And I'll have the numbers to back it up after this commercial message. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment brought to you by D-Bad and D-1 Training in Hattiesburg on Hardy Street. D-BadHattiesburg.com. Great place for instruction. Great place for fitness. D-Bad and D-1. Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Luke and Bob. From the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg, Kelly on the phone with us. A couple news and notes. Women's golf ties for 
uh, finishes at third, and uh, Merche Corbacho in uh, women's golf finished sixth overall in the Lamar Cardinal Challenge down in Beaumont, Texas. So congratulations to not only a great individual performance, sixth overall, but as a team, Southern, Min- Southern Miss finishes third. So way to go, ladies, out on the golf course. Men's tennis uh, beat Nichols State yesterday 4 to nothing. They improved to 7 and one overall, third win in a row for uh, the men on the tennis court's second consecutive shutout. So uh, tennis and golf doing quite well. Kelly, back to the classroom with you. Yeah, you know, I'm still a little, a little bit steamed, but I've, uh, <laughs> I'll get calmed down over that. But, you know, there, there has been this, this discussion, shall we say, spirited discussion between academics in the collegiate world and athletic folks who really like college athletics as to where does athletics stand as far as importance goes. Well, a successful college program will always draw more students. It's a fact. These numbers are from the, from the NCAA, of course, this is basketball now. When Florida Gulf Coast, you remember a couple of years ago, they, they made it to the, the Sweet 16, and everybody was talking about Florida Gulf Coast. The very next year, Florida Gulf Coast's admissions went up 27.5% in one year after their trip to the Sweet 16, and everybody found out where Florida Gulf Coast was. Butler, which is actually located in Indianapolis, remember they made two trips to the Final Four uh, in back-to-back years. Butler's enrollment in those two years increased a total of 50%. All right, this, the school nearly doubled in two years in enrollment because of the success the basketball team had on a nationwide stage. And a school as small as George Mason, they beat Villanova a couple of years ago in the tournament. Just, just beat Villanova in one game. And their inquiries, their inquiries on their website and calls to their admissions office were up 350%. Now, that's not enrollment, but in their inquiries went up 350%. So for anybody that says athletics aren't important as far as putting butts in the seats in the classroom, that's where it starts, all right? And it'll follow with butts in the stadium and, and butts at the ballpark, all right? So, so for anybody... A lot of and butts again, in some, that statement, but go ahead. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the people at Southern Miss, of course, are paid to tell you that sort of thing, but we're not. And one of the things that people really like about our show is that we call it like we see it. All right, and there have been times that we're critical of the university and athletic department, but it's important that the athletic department at Southern Miss do well. And there's the numbers. There are the numbers right there that tell you when, when communities have pride in their sports teams, it's, it draws people from all around because everybody wants to be part of something good. So if you're not on the Southern Miss bandwagon, you need to be. It's important for all of us. Amen. Like it. All right. Occasionally, you have to look in the calendar to see what happened on this day in history. Pretty interesting, guys. Uh, there's a website called onthisday.com. You would never believe what happened on this day in what year? 1956. Um, it's not your birthday, and you're younger than that. So it wouldn't. Bob Getty's birthday? <laughs> I just typed in, on this day, I typed in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just to see what might pull up. And I was told that WDAM-TV Channel 7 began broadcasting in 1956. 
Hmm. Is that wrong? This day. That's what uh, it's saying. That's what the website's no, saying. I think, I think it was a Monday, Bob, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> as, I re- as I recall, I, I got there on a <laughs> yeah. Monday morning and we were working, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and the late Jim Gibbon probably was the... Uh, he probably was. God rest was his the, soul. <laughs> was the news anchor. And David A. Madison was the general manager, right. which... There's there's a story that's I don't know how true it is, but that the call letters W D A M were assigned to that station right between Hattiesburg and Laurel because the general manager was David A. Madison. I always heard it was way down around Moselle. <laughs> yeah, that's that. what I thought. <laughs> I, I've heard that one too. Uh, I think the David A. Madison one might might hold more water, but uh, yeah. anyway, and I'm not sure that either one is accurate. I don't think it really matters. Both of you guys were like in your, what, <laughs> late 40s, early 50s when you both worked there? Uh, no. Not, Kelly may have been. I was. I, know. I, I, yeah. was, no. I, was, I was a young whippersnapper. Uh, the, yeah. the man in his mid-30s can can poke fun at the old bears. Hey, yeah. I, I remember I remember watching Reggie Collier play peewee football, and I told her, I said, that kid's going to be pretty good if he sticks with it. You yeah. were the sports director then, weren't you? I was. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.